Thank you for dropping your anchor with HarborCast as our Harbor family continues to glorify and enjoy God together. You asked the questions, and now we look forward to getting to know Him better through Scripture and Christ-centered interpretation. Uh, welcome back again to another edition of HarborCast, the official podcast of Harbor Church in Mooresville, North Carolina. Uh, I have with me my very good friend, uh, Ben Murray. Uh, ben has been uh, a member for eh, just a couple months now, right? Feels like it's yeah. been years. But... Yeah, y'all have been worshiping for a while, so it's wonderful. Before we get before we get started into the topic, Ben, you just want to tell us a little bit about yourself because you have kind of an interesting interesting story and background. Yeah, I say it feels like years because so much has happened in our life in a short amount of time. Yeah. So we went to Taiwan as missionaries for the sake of the gospel in 2017, and that was our first time in Taiwan. Uh, we had our firstborn, he was just two, he's now nine, so a lot has happened between now and then, but due to health reasons, we had to come off the mission field, and we've been here uh, at Harbor Church probably just a year now total, but uh, members more recently, Yeah. but uh, the Lord has put us on interesting detours, and at the same time, we, in our faith, nothing has changed in the sense of we still trust Him every day, and uh, whether we're on the mission field or back in the States, yeah. just looking to serve Him everywhere we can. Yeah, well, that's really cool. Well, I'm glad you all have landed with us. and um, We are too. We're slowly trying to make you all more Presbyterian <laughs> that's every right. day. <laughs> uh, well, today we have a really interesting topic. Uh, the The question is, is sort of generally, uh, do women have to cover their heads particularly in worship, though in, in previous uh, times and cultures, sometimes um, sometimes women have even covered their heads sort of all the time. Um, so is that, is that something normative for us today? And, um, and where in the world would somebody get the concept of this in the Bible? So wh- where, where do most people look to for this particular topic? Yeah, we'll be looking at 1 Corinthians 11 specifically as it talks about head coverings. It specifically calls out that very issue. Which is really not any other verses in the New Testament that cover that. I mean, I'm there's, aware of. there's verses about jewelry, braided hair, right. things like that as well that pertain to women that are somewhat related to those you know, peripherals or, or right. ornaments of right. augmenting your beauty or however you want to consider sure. it. That sure. might fall in the kind of similar camp, but... Not very specific in this regard. Yeah, yeah, because the, the other ones you could at least say, well, it's it's sort of lauding your social status over other people. This one's just a little a little different, right? Um, so, if, Ben, if you could just read for us, just to give us a context. Um, we're in 1 Corinthians 11, looking at roughly verses 4 through 9, and we were talking before this about how there are so many other things in this text that we could take off into so many rabbit trails. We'll try to keep it just a head cover. Cultural right? triggers. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, and even exegetical ones, too. So, sure. Yeah. So much here. Yeah. All right, I'll start in verse 4. Every man who prays or prophesies with his head covered dishonors his head. But every wife who prays and prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head, since it is the same as if her head was shaven. For if a wife will not cover her head, then she should cut her hair short. But since it's a disgrace for a wife to cut off her hair or shave her head, let her cover her head. For a man ought not cover his head, since he is the image and glory of God, but a woman is the glory of man. 
For man was not made from woman, but woman from man. Neither was man created for woman, but woman for man. Cool. So like I said, there's a lot there. And uh, I think perhaps so that we can stay on track to, for, for right now, I'm going to ignore what does it mean for men or women to prophesy, whether that was, I mean, I, I, uh, I tend to think that something unique going on there, but we're going to ignore that. So, yep. but, but at least we can say we're in the context of worship, it seems like, praying and prophesying. Does that yes. sound about right to you? Yeah, because in the beginning it talks about Christ and being the head of the church as mm-hmm. a husband is head of a wife, right. and so there's that context in here. Yeah, right. yeah, no, I, I agree. So, um, so first of all, Ben, I'd love to ask you, what, what do you think it means for women to cover their head? I mean, Physically speaking, right? Because I think when most people think of head coverings, I know that, um, for example, my mom grew up in the Catholic Church, and mm-hmm. at the time, uh, most women would put some kind of. I remember my mom used to talk all the time about the doilies they used to put on their heads, and it's <laughs> this kind of papery thing they would put on top of their head. So is that is that what you think we're talking about here? I mean, I think of different cultures throughout time that have done the same thing, sure. whether it's in the Middle East with mm-hmm. different religious reasons and backgrounds. But a lot of it seems to be cult- led by culture and mm-hmm. expectations of that culture. And I think we can even look to movies made in the 1950s, right. for right. example, and what are people wearing. And I was shocked. You see men in full suits on their day off. Yeah, they're playing sports in their suits. Yeah. <laughs> What's going on here? Yeah. So I don't know how much of it's mandated by a cultural norm versus a religious reason. Yeah. Yeah, I, it, this is just a side note, but man, I would love to go back to a day when everybody wore hats because I would I would wear a hat all the time. You're right, like the that. top yeah. hats and everything. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. Um, so, um, it, so when it says um, that her head, ought, her head ought not to be uncovered, um, are, are we talking about hats here? or Are we talking about something else? Well, it does mention her hair being a covering as well. Mm, right. So I don't think a hat's necessary in this scenario to be shameful for the woman. Uh, As we were talking before, it seemed like long hair is a distinction between men and women. Yeah. Because it does talk about man and not being a dishonor for him when his head's uncovered. Yeah. And that seems to me at least to be a God-given distinction between men and women. Yeah, and I think that's that's where I would go as well. I I see this head covering at at very least we're talking about covering the head with hair. Um, And that kind of makes sense of why in verse 6 it says, For if a wife will not cover her head, then she should cut her hair short. Right? So it seems that covering there is the covering of head. And I think that the Greek, um, versus the Greek background being shaven. of that. Versus being shaven. Yeah. yeah. So I think the Greek the Greek background to that of covering the head, that was, a, was an, an expression of what it meant to have hair. Right? Sure. In particular, long hair. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. So in that sense, really, we're talking... It's not so much about perhaps exactly how long hair ought to be, but it seems to have something to do with gender roles. Gender roles, yeah, yeah. I agree. Yeah, yeah, and and I think that this is honestly a a really relevant passage, particularly for Certainly. today, right? <laughs> yes. Where gender is such a fluid thing for most of our culture, mm-hmm. and um, you know the irony is that as our culture uh, tries to move away from gender distinctions, they often um, will take on certain gender stereotypes, sure. right, in order to, but, but flipped, right, going the opposite direction. Yeah. But this says something about God created us in such a way that 
Um, there really is a difference between men and women. Yes. Yeah, and there is an actual binary between those two. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think we can agree that our culture is quickly disdaining that right assignment at birth, right. whether you're male or female, and you don't get to choose anything in between. Right. Or reassign yourself to a gender right. you more closely identify with. Right. Right. Yeah, and and I think that perhaps there is some cultural wiggle room here, um, in that. For example, uh, uh, in some African tribes, you may have women who have very, very short hair. But there are absolute distinctions. Still you, distinctions even like, then. Very, much more than sure. here in terms of what what women do versus what men do. Mm-hmm. Um, or what women wear versus what men wear. Yes. Yeah. And I think it's important to point out that the work of a woman is not below a man. Right. I yep. think uh, I love Luther's quote when he talks about something it's just as equally glorifying to God to be preaching a sermon as it is to change diapers. Mm, yeah. And so yeah. and he also made that whole secular and sacred you know help break right. that down so that the milkmaid is just as important too as the pastor. And so right. I think it's important to clear the air here to not say that men are superior to women. Right. In the created order there is a distinction of man was created first and then woman. Right. But as it relates to our dignity, as it relates to our self-worth, Men do not have some higher status in God's right. eyes. I think that's absolutely right. And, and I think that in the context of 1 Corinthians, I think that this, this idea makes sense, right? In 1 Corinthians, you have a lot of people who are misunderstanding and misapplying the gospel yeah. in such a way that they think, well, because God is gracious, therefore, what I do with my body and how I carry myself doesn't really matter. For example, I can I always think it's funny to think about what Paul had to deal with as a pastor, right? He had to tell the whole congregation, which really Corinthians is a whole city. Sure. He had to tell them stop sleeping with prostitutes, right? <laughs> 1 Corinthians 6. Um and, and why are they doing that? Because they mistakenly thought, well, if if one saved always saved, and if God's grace is truly gracious, then it doesn't really matter. Mm. And so you can almost see here um, a misapplication of in Christ there is neither Jew nor Greek, no neither male nor female. What that is intended to mean when Paul says in Galatians is to say, um, you no longer have value distinctions between those. Mm-hmm. It's not like men are more important than women or, or vice versa. Exactly. The um, ground is level at the cross. The ground is level at the cross. Many times, right. right, but that doesn't take away the God-given distinctions between those two. It doesn't yes. erase that. Mm-hmm. Which, unfortunately, that verse is oftentimes taken out of context in more progressive circles to say, see, God, God doesn't, God is okay with gender fluidity. No, that's, that's not the way it works. Can't go that far with it. Right. It's definitely a stretch. Right. And this is a great example of where, where Paul really does assert, no, there is a different way of carrying yourself as a male versus as a female. Absolutely. Yeah. And going back to hair and its length, I think even in that cultural, just from a cultural perspective, there would have been, if a man had long hair, he would have been considered more effeminate. Mm-hmm. Whereas a man with shorter hair would identify, identify himself more with uh, what men are perceived as. Yeah. And of course, today, I can remember growing up in my background, and, and it, you know, this verse talking about it's a shame for a man to have long hair. Mm. Things like that would make it, make it to where men make sure that the length of your hair doesn't go down beyond right. your ears. Right. So before I came here today, brother, I was making sure to snip the <laughs> few hairs that were coming down over right. my ears. <laughs> yeah. But is that what it's talking about here? That 
men, you can't have long hair. It's a sin for a man to have long hair. I thought it'd be helpful at least to mention that. There. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I don't think so. Um, in, in the sense that I think there's a, uh, I, I believe that the issue here is wives trying, or particularly now, granted, it says wife here, but it's just the word woman, so we're not quite sure whether we're talking about specific In the Greek, wives, it could right? be Greek or, married could or be right. unmarried. That's yeah, right, woman. yeah. Okay. Um, uh, but I think the issue here is rebelling against my God-given gender, yeah. right? We, oftentimes our culture likes to talk about gender assigned at birth. Yes. And what they mean is a doctor mm -hmm. said something. What they put down. We believe in gender assigned at birth, it's uh -huh. just God has given us that, right? And so it's a rebellion against that. Sure. It's to say, mm -hmm. I don't like the gender that's been given to right. me, and I mistakenly think the gospel frees me from that, what I think is a constraint, rather than uh -huh. a blessing. Right? So they're weaponizing the gospel for their cause. Yeah, it I may think so. Maybe actually yeah. a rebellion against God who gave them that assignment at birth. Right. So I, I think that we can all recognize, <laughs> this is this dates me a little bit, but uh, as a kid growing up, I remember watching uh, the, I can't believe it's not butter commercial with Fabio. Do <laughs> <laughs> you remember that? Of yeah. Course. The flowing, the flowing yes. <laughs> there is nobody on planet Earth who would mistake in Fabio for trying to act effeminate because oh, they had long hair. Yeah, the right? dude was the personification of manlyhood. Like, what man didn't wish they looked that right, way? Right, right. could be on that. I can't believe it's not but a commercial. <laughs> right, and and so there, there, I think, is a great example of... But I also have seen in contemporary culture where men are trying to look differently from, from the gender that are assigned by particularly the way they're styling long hair. Yeah. And I think that... There's a good example of the hair length doesn't really matter. It's how you're carrying it. Could we say it's uh, outward of uh, what's in inward? Yeah. It's the heart's purpose behind why they're yeah. looking away. C.S. Lewis talks about this in his book, Mere Christianity. He talks about the, uh, the principle of uh, modesty. And he talks about how, in some ways, that's culturally specific, yeah. right? That um, We're I think in a tribe in Africa, to right? Be topless to be a woman in topless right. is considered modest, but here mm -hmm. it's it's not. Right. Um, and and we can, you know, I don't think that we have to go so far as to say, well, all all cultures are are equal. It doesn't really matter what culture does, but I definitely think it would be. Um, uh, I think we'd be rash to to consider that as being immodest. When within the defined culture, people would have found that to be absolutely natural and within the confines of modesty. Mm -hmm. right. Modesty can fluctuate with culture, right? But it can't go so far beyond perhaps what the scripture outlines as right. the limit for that. Right. Modesty is always true, mm -hmm. even if its application is flexible. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which really I think what modesty can come in different forms. Back right. to the whole thing about jewelry. Right. Flashiness. Right. We're not being modest. Right. Or men who decide they want to make their bodies into a, an art, a sculpture, uh, uh, you know, that reflects right. something that Da Vinci might have made. Yeah. They want to show that off. Right. That's immodest for men, even yeah. though by cultural standards He's just wearing a cut-off tee with, yep. you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Sun's out, guns out. This is the time <laughs> Sun's for, out, guns out. Uh, and their men are being immodest, too. So it's not yeah. just for women here, I think, I agree. too. I agree. Yeah, and, and I think the, the, the real issue is, is, that, um, is that rebellion against 
rebellion against God. Right? Yes. We would call that sin, we call that idolatry, right? Yep. The, the idea that I don't like the constraints that God has put on me, yes. so I'm going to throw it out. Right. And that's what immodesty really is. It's to say, well, I know that this is the way I ought to act in such a way that honors other people, that, um, that doesn't create temptation for other people, um, that doesn't try to put myself on level with God, um, and, and to throw those all out. That's immodesty, right? And I think that's, that's the real issue, right? That's why the principle can still apply, um, uh, even though the way that a culture may work itself out may, be, may look very different. I think what you said there about not putting myself on the level with God right. is, is key here. Yeah. Because a person who rebels against their birth assignment is essentially saying, I am my own God, and yep. I choose what gender I want to identify as. Yep. And you can't go to a doctor's office and fill out a form to be seen by an, an everyday general practitioner without answering those questions now because maybe HIPAA laws, regulations are now requiring. You must ask, do you male, female, right. assigned at birth this? Uh, I don't know even. Yeah, like, I've seen that on, on not, not in a doctor's office, yeah. but I've seen it in other places too. It certainly is becoming more pervasive as we yeah. our culture becomes more progressive. Right. So where does a Christian lie in this whole fluctuation of culture and, and then even sinful initiatives or uh, that you can throw in pol- political agendas too? Right. How does a Christian navigate all this and still find 1 Corinthians 11 relevant without it being tossed out as something that's antiquated and this isn't relevant to our time at all? How does 1 Corinthians help believers or even non-believers ground themselves in something that may be more freeing and helpful and liberating in senses that a greater joy that surpasses my self-identification, perhaps there's a greater joy yet to be found through this God who created me? That's a great question. I'd like to answer it in two ways. The first, more theoretical, and then the second, more practical. Because I definitely think there's a practical side to this, right? So I think, in general, what I would say is that this ought to push us to reflect upon how God has made us and to embrace that. Embrace it. As as an act of faith, Mm -hmm. right? Um, I have talked with many people who have struggled with homosexuality. I've I've talked with people who have struggled with transgenderism of Mm -hmm. one sense or another. Um, And Which, could I interject and say that that's no different than struggling with heterosexual temptation, too. Right, right. It's the form of sexuality that is outside God's confined years between one man, one woman, for life in marriage, covenant marriage, marriage, that this is permitted. Anything outside of that is sinful. Right. And it's interesting how God lumps homosexuality with thieves. And so it's not to say someone struggles with homosexuality or gender dysphoria is somehow an outcast and can't come to the church for help. That's right. Because this heterosexual man sleeping around is just in need of of the the gospel and and grace. Or thinking about it. You know, or thinking about it. Right. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Or in the mind even. Right. Right. And so I just want anyone who's listening to this to know that if you find yourself an outcast in your church, know that there is room for you at the cross too. Absolutely. And in your struggles of, of gender dysphoria or homosexuality, there's, there is Christ who can help you. His grace is sufficient. Yeah. And should we embrace that homosexual pull? 
No, just as much as I wouldn't embrace hating and that leads to murder. Correct. Right. right. So there is, of course, that that no sin and sin no more, or do not sin, right? right. Uh, go and sin no more right. is the word he gave to the right. adulterous woman. Right. So Jesus, that is. So. Yeah, and I think that's that's what I would say is that particularly those people who I've listened to who have maybe lived a, a transgender lifestyle mm-hmm. and then have come out of that, the the truth that keeps press kept pressing into them that ultimately freed them was you know, you're not your own god god is god and i think that that's that's relevant for any like you said for any sin right for any issue whatever you right define and then, yourself or whatever temptations pull you right and and it it kind of goes back to um you know you have to operate you have to operate things according to their instructions right how they were built Right, so if you use your phone as a doorstop, it will work for a while, but at some point it's going to do one of two things. Either it's not going to keep the door open, or B, it's not going to work as a phone, right? There is an objective reality that will push back against it. And so the, the same thing is true of, of our gender or anything else. It's interesting, um, the transgender movement, one of the, I think what the, the attraction of that movement is... Uh, to promise people that they can live their authentic self. And I think what God calls us to is, it's a, that's a perversion of what God calls us to. God already has your authentic self, already. Um, he, he's built it, right? When you recognize his design, there's actually, there's actually freedom in there. Yes. Um, not, all, uh, not all freedom is unbounded freedom. I think that's a problem that oftentimes as us Americans, we think freedom means there are no constraints. Right. We I mean, think uh, you can't tell me what to do. Right. I have my my rights. Right. Good luck enjoying your uh, your budget that has no budget line items and just spending whatever you want. Like See, at yeah. some point, you find yourself you know in debt. You find yourself imprisoned. Yes. Versus if you would have stuck to some. Order some guidelines, right? You would actually that have are for freedom. your good. Yeah, that's you right. have more freedom operating within God's given guidelines than reinventing yourself yeah. and creating your own guidelines. Yeah. Either way, they're both a law. Yeah, you're really choosing which master to serve. That's right. And either you're going to choose to serve yourself, which we're finite human beings that make mistakes. Can we all admit that? Mm-hmm. Uh, and rather, and then we set our own standards, or we let God, who's infinite in wisdom, mm-hmm. who loves us, who has made us as the scripture says, fearfully and wonderfully made. I mean, in the womb here, right. God has knitted our members together and had a plan right. even before we came out of our mother's wombs for our good and his yeah. glory. Yeah. And so embracing that could actually mean greater joy. Yeah. Because instead of like using an iPhone at the doorstop, we're using a doorstop for a doorstop. Yeah. Just as uh, the designer intended. Right. So if the designer being God, if we admit God created me, just for a moment, entertain that thought for those that are listening. If God created you, then do you think he has a good plan for your life? Right. And rather than rebelling and shucking that off and saying, what does God know? I know better and be right. your own God. What would it be like to free yourself in embracing that? Yeah, absolutely. So then the, the, the real practical thing, which again, we going all the way back to the beginning, is the context seems to be here at very least worship, right? Mm-hmm. At very least um, so how, I actually think about this often when I, um, 
when I dress for church, again, I'm getting real practical. Um, I think there's a lot of freedom in what you can, which you can come to church with. There's also some hard lines on how you ought to come to church, right? So you ought to come fully clothed, as American culture would generally dictate. You ought not to come yeah. as if it's a beach party, right? Yeah, so if you go to any place of business, what does it say? No shoes, no shirt. Right. No I, service. Yeah, right? so, so I, I tend to preach in a bow tie. Um, that's my little piece of flair, right? But for the most part, I don't really want people to be paying attention to my clothes. Mm -hmm. I want people to be paying attention to my words, yes. right? And I think there's there's an example there of just trying to think through how I dress and how I comport myself in such a way that reflects the seriousness of worship. Yes, right. Yes, in, in this, in the same way that, and and again, mm -hmm. I, there are times when. Uh, for example, we've had people who have come to Harbor, I'm just using our church as an example, who I know are barely making their rent and come from a lower income. And so for them to show up in flip-flops and t-shirt, that's the best they got. No right? there. Um, They're not coming to make a fashion statement. That's right. right? Or or the, the vice versa, right? At, at least in the way that our particular culture church would look, it would look a little weird if somebody showed, showed up in a in a you know, a, a full suit, right? Three piece suit, tuxedo. Yeah, something, something like that, right? So there, there's a bit of, uh, I don't want to make too much of myself, but I'm not going to, I'm also not going to make too little of myself either, yes. right? In the same way that if, if I said something important was coming for dinner, I mean, you would, again, you wouldn't put on a suit, mm -hmm. but you'd put on something kind of nice, sure. right? If the it's, president was coming to visit your house, right. you would change appropriate. You would change appropriate. If it was old buddy you had known from high school, well, right. you might dress a little differently. Yeah. And then, so when you come to church, should it be that we also, in some regard, feel, when I'm coming to worship God, know that, first of all, God says, we're naked before his sight. Right? <laughs> right? So right. We, there's nothing we hide from him. Yeah. But as it relates to, like you were talking about being a distraction for right. other worshipers, what are we really here at church to do? It's not to make a fashion statement. It's not to be flashy and say, look at me, look at me. Right. If anything, it's to be... I want people to look at Christ. Look at Christ, yes. Yeah, that's Absolutely. right. And that's true for every single person who walks in um, yes. walks in church. If I can make a, like a slight caveat, because um, I think that sometimes when I've heard this topic being talked about, it goes on one of two ends. Either it doesn't matter how you dress because Jesus loves you anyway kind of thing, which sure. I think can, can be problematic sometimes. Yeah. I also think it'd be problematic where, like, I have heard that, that illustration where somebody says, what is the president? Well, if the president was coming, I might really, really dress up, right? Um, but I understand, too, that especially guys who, I'm thinking men particularly, who come from, a, like, a professional background, like, to Sabbath rest might mean taking the tie off, mm -hmm. if that makes sense, right? So I think there's something mm -hmm. to be said about, I want to take what I'm doing seriously, sure. but also Sabbath is meant for rest oh, as well. Right. So again, there's no hard and fast mm -hmm. rules or lines here, but it does, it, we ought to be thinking in a Christ-centered manner, even in how we dress, we comport ourselves and all the rest. Could we say it's a matter of the heart? Yes, yes. But we'll push it further than just your own feelings, right? But like really thinking about the principles that, that we've just talked about. So, yeah. So if it is a matter of the heart, what do you think Paul is getting at in this passage when he talks to women about head coverings? Is it really a matter of what it looks like on the outside? Or could we say God is actually more concerned about what your, what's manifest in your heart and coming out in the way you dress or the way you act? 
hold yourself yeah, in I mean, the that, church and worship. It, certainly, it seems like in verse, verse 10 and, and verse 11 and verse 12, the idea of having a head covering being a symbol of authority on her, right? Um, not quite sure what it means by, a, you know, because of the angels. We because get, of the angels, right? yes. I know, we can get, that, we, we can get, letter entry. Yeah. <laughs> hey, hold it, on. At very, at very <laughs> least, you can, on? <laughs> there is something that seems to be, kind of going back to what we said before, seems to be something about um, this sort of rebellion of the heart yes. that's coming out in a physical manifestation. Sure. Right. Um, which which goes to show you, I think, what God is most concerned about here is the heart. Absolutely. Right? Um, am I trying to take away authority from others by the way that I dress? Mm-hmm. Right. It's a little bit like, um, you know, there's an there's a unwritten rule at weddings, particularly for women. Right. I know we're going with this. Women can wear uh-huh. every color they want except for one, right? You don't wear a white don't dress. Don't wear a white dress, yes. Right. Don't be, be Kelly from the office. That's right. At uh, Phyllis's that's wedding. That's right. <laughs> because why? Because you don't want to take away the the central character of the wedding, which yes. is which is the bride. The bride. Right. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's that's a pretty good chunk. I know there's a lot more to talk so about. So much in the, more here, but that passage. Um, but do you want to yeah. you want to close us in prayer? I do. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for a moment that you've sought us before we were even born and set your love on us and decided of your own mercy and grace to redeem for yourself a people and worshipers for your immense and majestic and awe-inspiring glory. So, Lord, may it be that in all our walks of life, both as men or women in this world, that we would seek to, from the heart, glorify our maker not to draw attention to ourselves but to point to jesus at every opportunity we're given and then lord for those that may be struggling with their own gender assignment or have issues with homosexuality and temptations in that way may you please let them know that there is still hope for them they are loved deeply by god and that they should not feel ostracized any more than any other sinner lord the church should not be a museum of saints, but a hospital for sinners. And we all need the medicine of the gospel applied to our hearts. So may we help, help us all to look to Christ for that medicine as well as point others to Jesus with the way we hold ourselves, dress ourselves, and so on. In Christ's name, amen. Thank you again for dropping your anchor with HarborCast. Please visit us on the web at harborchurch.org for more information about what we believe, what we do to serve our community, and how you can get involved in our mission here in Mooresville. And finally, follow HarborCast wherever you listen to podcasts. May the Lord continue to equip you to share the good news about Jesus.